Hello, and thank you for joining us here at the Sonoma Avenue Church of Christ for our Sunday morning service. Uh, This was supposed to be the Sunday that I started a new series, a series called One Kingdom Indivisible. It's a series that I was really excited about, and it's one that's been preached at different churches throughout the Bay Area, emphasizing that we are citizens of the kingdom of God first. But then, of course, this week, all of California caught fire. And I knew that I needed to say something different to you today. We here in Sonoma County have been through this before, but it doesn't make it any easier. We are fatigued, tired of the loss, tired of the fear, tired of the chaos. Some of you may be under forced evacuation. Some of you are maybe waiting to evacuate. We all know this feeling and we have all been through this before and I found that it's really hard to know what to say to you at this time. It's it's hard to know what words I can speak that will give you the encouragement that you need. This is hard and we need God's help. Now you know that I am just a regular ray of sunshine. So I'm going to start by telling you what I'm not going to do with this time that we have here today. I'm not going to tell you that this isn't hard because it is. And I'm also not going to tell you to just have more faith and not worry because I would be doing you a disservice by doing that. I know you are tired and I'm tired too. There is a myth both in the Christian and non-Christian worlds, that God should be the preventer of all bad things. If you've been on earth, though, for all of, I don't know, 30 seconds, you know that there is something wrong with this idea. Because life is hard and bad things, both big and small, happen all the time. But if you believe in this myth that God is the preventer of all bad things and bad things keep happening, then what are you left with? The options are not good. I mean, either God just doesn't exist at all, or maybe worse, God doesn't care, or God is not powerful enough to prevent the bad from happening. Bad, challenging, and difficult things that happen in this world and specifically in the lives of believers have been used as an argument against God forever. It's the reason why many say that they cannot believe in God. I can't believe in a God who would allow this to happen or that to happen. And it's the reason Why many who used to believe have chosen to not believe in God anymore because they faced a crisis that God did not stop and they will never forgive him for it. The thing is that God never promised us that we would not experience bad things or that he would keep bad things from happening to us. That idea is purely our invention. Listen to what John or what Jesus says to his followers in John chapter 15 verses 18 through 21. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus flat out told his followers, and on more than one occasion, by the way, that they were going to face trouble in life and that they should not expect it to be any different. And he makes it clear that the world is going to struggle against those who belong to God. And that those that follow Jesus should not expect some sort of special treatment because they are his followers. Feel encouraged yet? Good. I'm doing my job. The Bible is full of stories about God. And God is the hero of all the stories. But it is also full of stories where people have really difficult times. There's war and oppression and slavery and loss on an enormous level. And through all of these stories, God is there. Most of the time, he is not preventing the bad things from happening, but he is there. So if he's there, then what is he doing? If God's job is not to prevent the trouble or the bad in a fallen world, then what is his job and who should we understand him to be in the midst of this time? Well, fortunately, we have a lot of material to work with. But today, we're going to be in the Psalms. And in particular, we're going to be in Psalm 18. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to open up there. This psalm is not going to be on the screen. We're doing a longer reading today, and Megan and I are going to read this section of Scripture for you. So sit back and listen to the words that David writes about God. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He, he rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, 
but to bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them to the Lord, but he did not answer. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. Man, there is a lot going on in this psalm. The writer was clearly in a place of praise, and he had good reason to be. After all, he had enemies, but God gave him victory over those enemies. And so this psalm is really a celebration of the work of God in his life. And he used some specific images that I want us to take a look at because I think they are meaningful for us today. First thing is that he says that God is his rock. What does it mean for God to be our rock? You may not know what a rock is, but a rock is a large chunk of stone. No mystery there. You learned something today. Awesome. But a large rock is something that actually holds great value for specific reasons. A rock could be used as a foundation for a building. And it was the best kind of foundation because it would stand firm. After all, Jesus said the wise man built his house upon the rock. A rock could also be used as a place for refuge for both animals and people. So you could hide or go into a cave or a cleft in the rock and you could be concealed there from enemies. You could hide from enemies. You could protect your animals or whatever was going on. You could hide there in the rock. Israel spoke of God being a rock often, and they spoke of that because it spoke to the permanence and stability of God's protection. And just in the Psalms, God is called a rock about 20 times. Let me give you a couple of uh, readings from the Psalms, from Psalm 27, 4 through 5. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. 
For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 2. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And Psalm 71, 1 through 4. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. I read these psalms and it makes me realize that we need God to be our rock. We need him to be the firm foundation on which we stand. We need him to be the cleft that we can hide in and be delivered from our enemies. We need God to be our rock. Let's worship him.
Next, the writer refers to God as a place of refuge. I love this word, refuge. It's a place of safety or protection from enemies. Now, interestingly enough, this idea of refuge was one that was rooted within biblical law for the people of God. There were six cities that were designated as cities of refuge, where if you accidentally killed someone, you could go and, and find asylum in these, one of these six cities and hide out there until your case could be judged by the elders of the city. Now, this was important because if the members of the family of the person you killed believed that you had done it on purpose, they could immediately stone you. So it was set into law that cities of refuge would be set up. Read it here in Numbers 35, 6 through 15. Six of the town you give the Levites will be cities of refuge to which a person who has killed someone may flee. In addition, give them 42 other towns, and all you must give the Levites 48 towns together with their pasture lands. The towns you give the Levites from the land the Israelites possess are to be taken in proportion to the inheritance of each tribe. Take many towns from a tribe that has many, but few from one that has few. Then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your city of refuge to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be places of refuge from the avenger so that anyone accused of murder may not die before they stand trial before the assembly. These six towns you give will be your cities of refuge. Give three on this side of the Jordan and three in Canaan as cities of refuge. These six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites and for foreigners residing among them so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can flee there. Okay, so I, I know that's a little bit of a weird example, but it tells us how important this idea of refuge was that God built it into Jewish law to make sure to protect people just in case a really bad accident happened. But don't let that downplay the importance of God being a refuge. He is often portrayed as a refuge or shelter for humanity. And it happens frequently in the Psalms that God is a place where you can run to and be safe. From Psalm 5, verses 11 through 12. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. We need God to be our place of refuge because, as we have seen, the world just keeps getting crazier. And God is the place that we can run to, where we can hide, where we can be safe. God is also referred to as a fortress. Uh, David compared him to a fortress in several psalms. And the idea of rock and fortress both create pictures of a high place of refuge and defense to which one might flee for protection. From Proverbs 14, verse 26, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children it will be a refuge. And Psalm 59, 16 through 17. But I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress. 
my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. To you, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. We need God not only to be the safe place, but to protect us in that place. And this image that God is a fortress, this place that will keep our enemies away from us is so important and powerful to us. Another image that's tied to this one is that God is a strong tower. And the benefit of a strong tower is that it's again a place of safety. And you're at an advantage over your enemies because of your elevated position. They can't reach you and they can't get to you. From Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And all these images are, are being pulled together and, and, and they're helping us form this idea of who God is in times of trouble. And who God is in times of trouble is God is a strength in times of trouble because time of trouble takes our energy and our strength. It, it makes us weak. It makes us tired. It makes us want to give up. And into that space, as we run to God to be our refuge, to be our fortress, to be our strong tower, he becomes a strength for us. From Psalm 28, verses 6 through 8. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. And Psalm 46, 1 through 7. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The image in the Psalms and in Psalm 18 is so clear that times of trouble are going to come. Enemies are going to come. But God is the place that we can run to to be safe. And God gives us the strength we need to press on. Let's worship him now.
Another image that is used for God often in the Psalms is that God is a shield. Now, a shield is obviously a symbol of protection, but have you ever thought about what a shield does? A shield takes the punishment so that you don't have to. If the enemy is shooting arrows at you, the job of the shield is either to deflect or take those arrows so that you don't get hit. So what does it mean then when the writer says that God is his shield? It means that God stands between him and the enemy. That God takes the attack so that he doesn't have to take it. From Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. And from Psalm 91, verses 1 through 4. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wing you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I love the imagery that is there at the end of those verses that God covers us with his wings to protect us and that his faithfulness, the fact that we can count and rely on God to be our refuge, that that allows us to have him as our shield to protect us from the enemy. God is also called the horn of my salvation. Now, that seems like a little bit of a weird reference or symbol, but animal horns were symbols of strength and they later symbolized rulers. And and the horn as a means of attack or defense for some of the strongest animals that they had in the biblical world was a frequent emblem of power or strength. And by the way, in Luke chapter one, when Zechariah gives his poetic blessing, he says these words, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Jesus is the horn of salvation, which leads us to the conclusion that the writer of the Psalms often comes to, and perhaps one of the most powerful descriptions of who God is. He says, God is my deliverer. In John chapter 16, Jesus was speaking to his followers and he was telling them about everything that was going to happen and it was not an encouraging talk. But at the end of this talk that he has with his disciples, listen to what he tells them from John chapter 16, verses 22 through 23. A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And it is in this moment that I finally get the answer that I was looking for. 
this world brings trouble. It's what the world does. But Jesus has overcome the world. Take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world. And through Jesus Christ, we have a life that extends beyond this place, beyond this world, and beyond the things that happen in it. We have eternal life with God, and there is nothing that can take that away from us. Let's sing songs of worship to our God who has overcome the world and is our deliverer.
Okay, church, so where does all of this leave us today? I came to a conclusion while I was writing this, and I'm not sure it's a conclusion I like, but I think it's true. We can't know God as our deliverer if we haven't been delivered from something. We can't know God as our fortress and our refuge if we've never had to run from anything or fight our enemy. We can't know God as our shield if there is no one throwing their spears or arrows at us. We can't know God as our strength if we think we're always strong. This world brings trouble to our doorstep. Sometimes it kicks in the front door. And God, his job is not to keep those things from happening. God's job is to deliver us from this place. And I realize that all the trouble and the hardships and the things that I face and the stress and the anxiety and the worry, all of these things, all of these things that come at us all the time. God has been faithful and good. And God has shown himself to be faithful and good. He has shown himself to be my deliverer. And therefore, the story that I carry out of this time of just immense stress and worry is that God once again will show himself to be faithful. And I don't have to know exactly what that looks like. And I don't have to know exactly how that's going to work and how it's going to happen. But I know one day soon we will be together and we will be saying that God is our refuge, our strength, our fortress, a mighty tower, the horn of our salvation, our shield, and our deliverer.